Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony. It's been, I don't know, five minutes since we spoke last. How have you been, my friend? I've been doing well. Uh, that I actually watched a little bit of an honest trailer while I was waiting for you. So, Yeah, you're the, you're the movie guy. I'm um, the movie guy. I actually went and saw a movie in the theater a couple weeks ago, to be proud. What? Um, now, it was at the cheap theater, but it was we went and saw the movie Harriet. It was good. It was interesting. There was some stuff in there. I'm not quite sure what to do with theologically, but it was a good movie. Huh. I didn't even know I, cheap theaters even exist anymore. Yeah, man. We Now, see, we live really close to the Augusta National Golf Course, and the rumor is that they're just buying up everything up interstate and uh, that they've actually bought the shopping center where this movie theater is, and so at some point it will no longer be there. But, yeah, 250 for ticket. It's great. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I can't bring myself to go to the, the big one, um, or at least not. I don't remember. It's been – I think the last time I – to the big one was when we did that Batman episode, the Lego Batman. Wow. Um, we just saw Frozen 2 yesterday, uh, two days ago with my parents, uh, months after it came out, but it was still in theaters because, you know, Frozen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just it, I just feel like they're, you know, reaching through the little glass vent thing and stabbing me in the eyes as I hand over that money. So It is crazy. Um, <laughs> but anyway... Uh, so, you know, baseball season is um, it's kind of in a lull, but pitchers and catchers report, what, the end of February? Is that right? I believe so. Yeah, I haven't kept track of it as much. Uh, that I've been kind of stay away from, uh, you know, a lot of baseball news so that they don't catch my connection to the Houston Astros. Yeah, that's true. You might get banned for some major league parks. Right. Uh, that Yeah, that's been the stories, what's going on with the Astros, which it is interesting. And I, I'm a fan of spy things and stuff, but um, <laughs> those guys, uh, <laughs> it's a little different. Um, but, you know, my first exposure to the, the term location, location, location came from watching baseball baseball and baseball highlights and they talk about the pitcher hitting his spots and they say location 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 i didn't know that there was uh, a wider application of that or that it it came from another context which is real estate of course um and so i when you bought a house a few years back uh did your real estate go over that with you or uh did you just kind of already know that uh, he did somewhat, uh, although he did uh, – the first house I think he had us look at uh, was right near a bad location. It was right near a uh, sewage plant, and, th- and that really made <laughs> us uh, stress the need for location, location, location. Yeah, see, we have a, a place here in our area where sometimes you might see like just lavishly large homes that are um, on sale for like a really good price. You're like, wait, what? That house is – how big and it only costs this much and then you find out oh it's there um because there's this group of people they're basically an unreached people group but they have um i mean they can ethnic you know similarities and they're kind of known for uh unethical business practices whether it's all true or not i don't know but that is definitely the prevailing reputation they have and then they don't like outsiders and so 
anyway, sometimes they'll sell a home and because it's very hard to resell, nobody wants to buy them. And so anyway, that's just one of those things when people buying real estate, but I don't know, maybe some mission-minded people in, in our area <laughs> could go in there. Um, but that, that issue of location is what we want to talk about today. Now, not so much uh, home buying or pitching, but uh, in the locations that, that churches meet and the locations inside those and what we do with those spaces. So we've just gotten – well, we're still kind of working on it, but the, the major part of this has been done at our church um, of renovating uh, – our children's ministry area, like the big room that we do children's ministry in. And uh, I think it's a vast improvement from what it was, but it is very, very far from my favorite thing to do or from my sweet spot. Like in college, uh, I've roomed with uh, a guy from high school for most of the time, and his dad traveled for work, and so he had stuff, artifacts and things from like all over the world, Jordan, and he had like a dagger and a whip and all this stuff. I had one picture frame that my parents had given me right before I left, and I hung that on the wall. And I think that was it. I'm just kind of Spartan. And so um, I've had to give a lot of attention to this and think through it. Um, and so I'm interested to hear your perspective on this today. But Tony, in the early church, what kind of locations did they meet in? Uh, multiple. Uh, the first locations that they met in often, the Bible seems to suggest, is synagogues at uh, first, Jewish synagogues. Uh, and uh, eventually they met in houses after as they got kicked out of uh, the, Jew the temple as well, and potentially, uh, and uh, sometimes they met in caves. We know this uh, from archaeologists, that there were times that they would meet in, uh, in caves. Okay, so um, they didn't have, you know, cool coffee bars, cool lighting, um, they just sort of met where they could, large spaces. Um, Actually, I so did hear that uh, they uncovered like an ancient uh, hipster church uh, that uh, set up where they had a bunch of pour-overs uh, put there with uh, <laughs> that whole grain, uh, freshly ground beans uh, that for, you know, everybody to enjoy while they wear their big horn glasses. <laughs> I think I read something about that too. So can a church survive or even thrive without a building? I think early uh, Christians showed that without question that uh, they we can survive without a building. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the early church uh, thrived with, uh, while meeting in houses. Uh, they grew massively while not being in situations that we would prefer. Uh, and I think even today, uh, some godly churches are deeply faithful in schools and uh, and meeting in homes. Uh, even in the United States, uh, there are faithful churches that do this kind of stuff uh, and are faithful to Jesus and reaching others for King Jesus. But I do think that most in those kinds of cases uh, wish they had buildings because the reality is I think buildings have some benefits, which we'll talk about later. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily hindered. That doesn't mean that they can't thrive or serve Jesus and survive in marvelous ways for the kingdom without buildings. Yeah, I think that's good nuance there. Um, I mean, if they can survive in caves— and then spread, then yeah, I think the answer is obviously yes. But like you said, having a building, having a defined location that people know is a, a benefit. Um, so was – because eventually we – I mean 
I'm sitting in a church building right now. Are you recording from home or are you in your office? I'm in my office at the church. So, so. okay. Yes, I'm. Uh, so we're both sitting in church buildings, and churches have had buildings for a long, long time. Was moving to permanent locations and buildings was that a good thing? I think it had good and it had bad to it. Uh, I think overall, I think it has more good potential than the bad it can cause. Uh, but in terms of bad, first, I think it created some bad theology, uh, like the mm-hmm. mentality that many have that see that the building is basically the tabernacle. You know, you're going to God's house on Sunday morning. I mean, this. Uh, Don't even, run in God's house. Yeah, even, you know, I know of a Catholic uh, that uh, not very involved that, you know, put the sign of the cross as they pass the, uh, that uh, Catholic church because, you know, it's a mentality that, oh, you know, I'm driving by God's house. And so that's, that's really important. We have to be really mindful of that. And I think that's some bad theology that's nowhere found in Scripture. Uh, and I think it can uh, can kind of chain the church down and prevent the church from really uh, heading towards ways that they can really glorify God. And, you know, even get, uh, you know, when a community, sometimes communities move. Sometimes, you know, a uh, that major restructuring of a city happens and a church is stuck in an area where they become a drive-in church and not really able to reach much of a neighborhood for Christ. And so you get kind of stuck in that kind of place. You might even get stuck, you know, uh, because of a building if your denomination has dangerous theology and you want to leave that you get stuck because you're kind of stuck in that building. But I think mostly it's good because it helps provide stability and transparency for people like visitors. Uh, You know, a visitor that I don't think many people that don't have any connection to Christ regularly like look and Google for churches, but it does happen. And I think it helps to be able to have something stable and consistent so that people can come and hear the gospel. Uh, and, you know, I think it also can be a resource to community. Actually, the previous church I was at uh, had uh, allowed the co- local community group, like the Neighborhood Association, to meet there, discuss things, and offered that for free. And I think that can be a real help to community. Uh, but lastly, I think it provides far greater safety for kiddos, which is something I'm going to harp upon a lot. So I'm not going to elaborate now. Okay, well, that's – yeah. I'm interested to hear your take on that then. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think it, it can be good and bad. Um, you have a dedicated space, um, which is definitely a blessing. You're not going, well, this week we're going to meet at you know Riverside Middle, and then next week we're going to be at Stevens Creek Elementary, and then next week we're going to be at Pastor Bob's Field, You know, um, just having that consistency. Um, I, and I know in our case, I mean, our church used to be a very large, influential church in this the Augusta area, um, and you know the the buildings reflect that. There's just we have a lot of square footage, um, but we're at a spot now. You know, because it was built over a period of many many decades. You know, it was not um, wasn't all just at one time. It's some. It's it's can be confusing even to make your way through the building if you're a visitor or you've only been into one spot. You know, well, how do I get back to there? Um, and then from a child standpoint, that's something we're dealing with now, trying to figure out some of those things. And it's just those are limitations that we're working with. Then, and those buildings as they age, they're very expensive to maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I mean, just the power bill, you know, and you've got bad insulation or those kinds of things. And it's just stuff that has to be dealt with. Oh, that's that thing's leaking. Um, but again, there are many other blessings that come with it. So, Tony, does your church have dedicated space for age-graded ministry? And if so, has that been something that's been helpful for you? So we have, yes, we have three spaces. We actually have two separated kids' areas. So in our church, to kind of describe it, uh, for listeners that don't know, we have kind of a fellowship hall downstairs below our sanctuary, which is actually upstairs, uh, which is unusual. Uh, and we have nurseries off the fellowship hall. This is just kind of based on an old building design. We bought the building. And then we have, like, kids in a Sunday school wing uh, down, like, a half-step stairway. And then we have we have the senior high, senior. Uh, we have the youth are both in our old stone chapel that most people think is where we hold our services. We have like an old school, like hundred year old stone chapel and our youth, most of our youth meet in there. But uh, when we split up our youth, the junior hires will go into a, a parsonage parsonage basement that's been kind of retrofitted for uh, that junior hires and uh, that's uh, I think these things have been helpful for consistency and planning without question and I think it allows us to set up appropriate resources uh, for example you know in our nursery dedicated nursery we have some really helpful books that can educate toddlers you know in the basics of faith and it allows us to have, I think, great safety designs, you know, so that we can shut off areas and control who can go somewhat into areas. We're limited. It's not the best possible design for us. But uh, I think one the area where it can be non-helpful is I think it's really easy to get territorial on these kinds of things. Uh, and I face mm-hmm. that temptation myself with, you know, I've realistically in some senses I'm over the children and youth ministry like two thirds of the building is kind of in some sense in my oversight in some sense not strictly uh, but uh, and I think it's easy to get territorial over that rather than seeing it as, as for the kingdom even when it's used for other things yeah you bring out some interesting issues um, I was actually as you were talking I was pulling up uh some images of your church uh, from Google trying to like, so I saw the stone chapel. That's cool. And just trying to look around and see what was around you. Yeah. We also have you spying space us? that's dedicated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks Google. <laughs> In our church, we have dedicated space for youth and for children and for preschool. Uh, and we also share space with the school that our church helps to sponsor. And that, that creates a, a also a, another, aspect to it of um, space sharing and sometimes like to the territorial part and like, oh, they didn't put this up or where's this? And, you know, and it has gone both ways. Uh, there's something, I, I, an item I hung on to for a while, um, you know, that I had borrowed from the school that I probably shouldn't have, that no one came looking for. They, apparently they didn't miss it. But anyway, but it is helpful. Like you said, just having those resources out there, having things set up. Um, and I know of people, I've talked to a number of people that meet uh, in non-permanent locations and every Sunday they have to go set up chairs and set up a sound system and these kinds of things and it, it is a blessing um, and thinking you know from the kids ministry standpoint or like our, our, our students they have music and um, those instruments can just be out and there's a number of things that's just it's just ready to go can a church survive or even thrive 
thrive without having that dedicated space for age graded ministry? Absolutely. Uh, actually, this the church thrived in this kind of way for like the first nineteen hundred years of church history without that kind of stuff. I mean, the reality is that uh, um, the um, this was the case throughout the vast majority of history. It was and only the past fifty or sixty years, uh, in some cases a little over a hundred years, where really anybody had separate areas in the way that we would think about it. Uh, for m- most of history, the whole family was together in one location centrally all the time, uh, in the, within the confines of the church. Uh, but I, and I think that the oppressed churches can o- often be healthier uh, than us without a building. You know, the you go to ch- parts of China where. Uh, Christians are not welcome to worship apart from sa- uh, sanctioned buildings and sanctioned churches where they mm. sanction the doctrine uh, in not good ways. Right. Uh, that sometimes they meet in houses or they meet and you know and other kinds of pl- privately owned places, uh, and they can be often far healthier than us without these kinds of things and far better at reaching their young people for Jesus. Uh, and I think uh, you know in terms of looking at it. And not just in terms of the presence of it, but the lack of coolness sometimes in it. I think less cool spaces can communicate gospel priorities. You know, if you have uh, that children and youth places that are not, you know, what they would see at Disney World, I think it can communicate to uh, that them that we are not Disney World Junior. We are not Jesus-y Disney World. Instead, we have gospel priorities. Uh and uh, and I think it's interesting because, like, thinking about buildings, you know, we are both Baptists, and Baptists actually have a long history of intentionally having boring buildings, rejecting the ornate and often beautiful to have what is utilitarian and, and effective and ordinary uh, to communicate the idea that it's not God's temple and it's not God's special nursery where, you know, God reaches the kids uniquely. I've actually read that Baptists for for a while were hesitant to put a baptistry inside because in Scripture you didn't see that they were out baptizing you know in natural bodies of water. Um, though I think it can be a useful thing, particularly in really cold climates. But um, yeah, I think you, you're right about that. It, it can reveal gospel priorities, and clearly churches can thrive and and survive. Um, like you said, they have for most of the history of the church. Uh, and just because you have a cool youth room or a, a cool children's space that looks like Disney World, um, that doesn't mean that your church is healthy. Um, and, and so like if someone's looking for a church, um, we really need to look past the facade. It literally is a facade. Um, and though they may be healthy, but just looking at this, and, oh, wow, this is so awesome. Um, yeah, because there are many churches that ha- do have uh, space even that's dedicated for uh, children or for youth, uh, and it's not that cool. I mean, I grew up in churches where there was space that was set aside for that, but it, it was not Disney World, and I was okay with that. I, I, I knew that I was not there to ride Space Mountain. Uh, I was there to be taught the Bible. And um, I think that was important. Now, I mean, the, the renovations we've made to our room, they're certainly not Disney World worthy, but we've, uh, I think it was an improvement on what was there. And even some of the kids made comments. Um, and, and I mean, I was okay 
okay with the previous one. I just think this is a step up, but it was just these really brightly colored walls. Um, but apparently some of the kids weren't a big fan of it. Um, we've t made it sort of look like a cabin. Now it's a big room, so we couldn't just cover all the, the walls in wood that would have cost a lot. And, uh, that was not money I was willing to dedicate to that. But yeah, I, I I liked what you said there. So, what do the architectural and the logistical arrangements of those kind of age graded dedicated spaces? What can they uh, reveal about our beliefs and whatever else? How much we care about keeping kids safe, first and foremost. Uh, I absolutely think that's the case. Uh, how we design our building. And I think that's one of the main things we need to think about in these areas is child safety. And if we are not willing to compromise on some other aspects uh, to make sure that we have it designed in the safest possible way, uh, I think that there's problems of what uh, these reveal about our thoughts and our theology. Uh, and what I think that uh, it also can communicate uh, what we think is most important to capture the heart and souls of the young, uh, whether we think that it's most important to have, you know, a, a giant uh, that uh, squirrel mascot posted all over to capture the heart and souls of the young, or if we think things <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I actually have seen that, uh, or if we think that having scripture communicated uh, in an artful way but a clear way uh, you know, as scenes uh, of stories. I mean, look at old old buildings, you know, where they would often have stained glass of scripture stories, important uh, truths from the Bible, uh, and whether we think that is enough to capture their hearts and souls or we need the giant animatronic squirrel. It was not animatronic. <laughs> it would have been awesome if it was, though. And they have, like, the Terminator. Uh, <laughs> this is great. We need to do this. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, our church, uh, we actually, and this was built long before I was uh, a part of this church, but uh, our preschool area is built, the, the outside of it looks like an ark. And I will admit, it looks very cool. There's even, like, little portholes that you can walk down and see. Um, now... The story of the Ark is a bit of a violent one, and so, I mean, we don't have, like, you know, bones and corpses and things like that um, surrounding <laughs> it. And, you know, the animal thing is friendly to the kids. There's there's animals painted all inside. Uh, it, it is – it's very well done, uh, and that is probably one of our nicer spaces. I mean, we have some areas of our church that are nice, but our, our main building, our I don't like to call it this, but the sanctuary was built in the 20s, and so we're approaching 100 years old on it. Yeah, and it shows some some signs of age and wear and tear. And there are plenty of places in our church that are not like super swanky and nice. And like I'm sitting in my office that used to be a nursery room, and it's very cold. I you know I don't have like the heat doesn't even come through the vents really, or if it does, very minimally. Uh, I don't say that to complain, but just you know it's it's not all. Um, sparkly and uh, yeah. great but i'm thankful for i have a quite a large space to work in and it's it's it is nice um yeah so the, the stuff that you said about safety i really like that and, and i know you have made a big deal about that um and stuff we've talked about here and just in your own practice um, where you're ministering and leading and i think that's a really helpful thing um because 
we can get carried away depending on our penchant and our budget and all kinds of things. Um, we can get carried away with the, the accoutrements of ministry and of decorating and uh, that kind of thing. And it can distract us from maybe bigger issues. Um, so how much should we care about those spaces, though? I mean, we talked about what, what it can sort of expose the way we set them up, but how much should we care? You talked about the Baptist uh, being kind of uh, utilitarian when it comes to functional. Um, I mean, wh- yeah. what does it matter? Before we do, uh, you know, I'd like to make a suggestion that we replace our logo with a logo of Squirrel Terminator uh, for everybody. <laughs> with, like part of his face ripped off. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> with the metal exposed. Yeah, that's. let's do it. But uh, I think we should care deeply about providing a safe providing a safe atmosphere and as well as atmospheres conductive of teaching the Bible with little distractions. And so I think that we should care a lot about those two aspects. Uh, and But I'm, I don't think beyond that that should be central. And so apart from some security things, realistically, the differences in building designs have, I think, really marginal impact. That doesn't say that they don't have any impact. You know, uh, thinking of the art design, even like putting up Bible verses, it has an impact, but I think it's small. It's not major. Uh, and it's not wrong to have good stuff, actually. You know, you talked, with the util- uh, talked about the utilitarian stuff, and I don't think early Baptists uh, valued uh, the arts and how God works in that kind of stuff quite enough. Uh, and but So it's not wrong to have good stuff, to have beautiful stuff, but our main energy need, needs to be focused upon uh, the principles, the vision of our church. And our, our church's vision statement, our mission statement, is knowing Christ and making him known. Uh, and I think even of uh, First Corinthians, it says uh, that as Paul says, I uh, resolved in nothing but Christ and him crucified. And I think that should our interview should be dedicated to those kinds of things first and foremost. And, and those other things should just come second at best. What do you think? Those are very good concerns in those spaces. Um, different churches are entrusted with different levels of resources, and I think we want to be good stewards of those. And my thinking on this has evolved with time. It's, it's I think, gotten some texture. Um, and sure, there are churches that are meeting under mango trees in places in the world, and they're preaching the gospel. Saints are being built up. They're reaching out. That's not the situation that either one of our churches are in. And so uh, I think it can be helpful to create an inviting environment. And I think these these the Bible doesn't give us clear instructions on this. And so we have to use wisdom. We have to – and we'll get into this in a moment on the, the kinds of things that, uh, that should guide us. But I think we should care that they are clean as well. Um, Mm-hmm. I mean, this is That's a true. little bit of a stretch, but other people have used this analogy. If you're going to invite someone into your home, even if you're you don't go to just these great links. I mean, you may wipe the the bathroom counter down and scrub the toilet out or something. Um, you know, they're going to do some things to make it inviting and maybe a little less chaotic. I mean, yeah, that's it, hospitality. You're not going to, yeah, just showing a level of hey, it's, you know, sit down and make yourself comfortable, uh, have rest here, and 
I think there, there's an element of that. You're inviting, especially if they're visitors, but just others, you know, it, a, a space that can be conducive to, like you said, you talked about the distractions, and I'm just fleshing that out a little bit. Um, if you've got, you know, stains all over the wall or things like that, I, I think there's something you can do about that. It doesn't have to be, you know, gold plating around. I mean, I know of a church in this area that um, has – I forget the. It was a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars in brass railings um, in one of their areas, and I, that may have been a God honoring thing. I, I don't know. It's not for me to stand in the place. I mean, I, when I first heard it, I kind of choked, but it that may be a way that they're trying to help honor the Lord. Um, I read something recently where it was talking about treating yourself to hearing God's word. And so I was like, hmm, what is this? So I clicked on the link, and uh, it was an article by David Mathis. He's the executive director at Desiring God. And he was talking about when you're personally taking in God's word to create an environment and uh, just the, the circumstances around you that they are enjoyable. Like you don't have to make it as unappealing as possible, like sitting in the winter in a cold you know, dungeon-like basement with no heater and water kind of dripping down on your desk and uh, things like that. So, you know, like try to – you can add some comfort to it if you want to have a warm drink that you enjoy or um, music that's that's helpful playing in the back. Just things like that. I mean it was small things, but trying to, to make it something that you look forward to. And I think some of those principles principles could apply in this that i mean i'm thinking like with kids and youth um making it an inviting atmosphere to what they might enjoy and not just bare cinder block white walls though if that's all you can do that's all you can do but i I mean i think you can usually go beyond i mean colors and pictures you know there's some things you can do to make it an atmosphere that's somewhat enjoyable to be in to foster that hearing of the word and um talking about christ crucified because that's ultimately what um, what we're after. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it should definitely not be our driving concern, but it shouldn't be something that we just go, well, we're not going to care at all about it. And, um, you know, we're just going to let that go. Cause I mean, I've seen places where, and heard horror stories of things that have just been let go and you think, Oh my goodness, that like nobody noticed this, that this was a problem. Um, so what kinds of concerns? You mentioned safety, but what kind of other concerns should guide us as we try to make use of, as we even build from scratch or redesign uh, the, the kinds of spaces like that for ministering to, to youth and to kids? Well, I, w- I do want to be somewhat specific on the safety in this uh, and, and then address some other stuff. So first off, a specific kind of concern is an ability to guard entrances where minors are needs to be essential. Essential, uh, and actually, I I've, I've read a great book on guard, and he really strongly advocates. Ideally, it's good to kind of have one central area of access for all, really, all the children's areas, if possible. That's not always possible. You're not. I don't advocate spending millions of dollars that you don't have uh, to build something that's ideal, of course. Uh, but I think that when doing new building, when redesigning, I think that can be helpful to think about. Uh, I think likewise with safety, ease of escape when necessary 
and understanding that, especially, you know, if somebody's there that shouldn't be there, if, you know, fire happens, I think that needs to be clearly thought through. And and I think that's important because we care about those created in God's image. Uh, And I think also uh, mind the messaging that is put up. Don't just randomly put up, you know, posters and artwork, but keep in mind that everything is theological and everything you put up communicates something and communicate that which is helpful, that is conductive towards your vision. Uh, and lastly, another security one I don't want to neglect, uh, make sure that uh, you have, you know, that uh, fake acorn bombs ready so that, you know, when Squirrel Terminator comes, you can uh, take him down and protect your kids from him. <laughs> That was a helpful last point there. Um, I like that, yeah, thinking about those uh, concerns. And I, I have not finished On Guard, but it is on my list. I have read through the first portion. He's talking about screening and policy and things like that. And, yeah, we're in a situation where things are spread out. And we've had having to do a lot of thinking lately on Wednesday night in particular because we have a dinner and then there's kids running around a gym playing. But then we have to get them – uh, to another side of the building and just how exactly to make that happen. And there were kids running loose and just wasn't a good situation. Um, and sometimes, like you said, you can't just make every, you know, here, we're just going to have this one lockdown thing. I mean, if, if you don't have the money to do that, and we certainly were not going to just rebuild something that was going to cost, I don't know how much, but a lot. Uh, but I think a question to ask is what are our motives? I mean, we're trying to keep up with the church down the street um, are we trying to be just have a cool space going to take people's breath away uh, and make it look like Disney World? You know, you were talking about I, I heard of a church that several years ago had a sermon series. And this wasn't so much for their children's space, but ser- this would have appealed to children and youth and adults alike. Um, they made some sort of I, I don't even know what it's called, but the the fighter plane things that the guys in Star Wars used. Um, they had something like that right out there that you could like, what's that? TIE fighters. Is that you're talking about? I don't know. So, something from star Wars. I mean, not really a star Wars guy, you know, that's a, it's a movie. And so that's, that's not my thing, but, uh, you know, you could like take a picture with it and it's just like, wow, look how cool this is. And I mean, yeah, obviously kids are going to like it, but that, I mean, that really is like something you would do at Disney world. Um, yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> to get your picture with Han Solo or something uh-huh. and Chewie. But I think asking the motives and, and then just saying, are we being good stewards of the resources that have been entrusted to us? Um, are we taking care of it? And, okay, could we improve this, make this a little more inviting while not going overboard? And I, I'm going to tend to be on the conservative end. I don't think – Anytime soon, I'm going to be accused of going overboard with a a space. Um, Thinking about the function, like, okay, what is this? uh, What is this space going to do? And I think we've sort of hinted at this, but just being real explicit, thinking about our theology, asking what saves, what gives new birth, what causes growth. Is it you know, terminated squirrel? Um, Is it you know, a room designed like an ark um, or a cabin or, or whatever else. Is it these cool accoutrements and accessories that, you know, kids or youth might like? Um, lasers and smoke and all this kind of stuff. Um, is that really what draws people to Christ or is it something more substantive and ultimately something more powerful? Yeah. Um, and so those are things that I think don't always get 
asked when when those these questions come up about what do we do with our children's spot or our youth room or I mean I've I know of a church that a friend was showing me pictures of they had not just built a youth uh, room they had a new youth building and it was like multi million dollar you know state of the art mm-hmm. facility and it was just mind blowing and this is one of the largest churches in the country but. Uh, and that raises other issues too, like when you sequester them off and you create yeah. this own space for them, you know, say about the church. And I get sometimes because of space limitations, it's just you you can't have everybody in the same spot if you're going to have a youth ministry or something, for example. But uh, I think those are all important questions to this that don't get asked enough. How is this a theological issue or is it even a theological issue? It relates to soteriology, I think, which is the doctrine, you know, of how people are saved and uh, one to the Lord. Because uh, I think this is relevant. Uh, if we think that, you know, the cool, uh, fun design is what, you know, will win people, what will attract people, having that cool, uh, awesome building is what uh, people need to just kind of get over the edge and make their heart open to salvation. Uh and open up a cold heart. I think that's a theological thing. That's bad theology, uh, but it's theology. Uh, and I think it also relates to a doctrine of human value from a safety perspective. You know, we care deeply about safety, about how we can make sure our kids are, are safe, because we believe that God's created them in his image, and uh, we must protect those who are vulnerable that are created in his image. Uh, and I think, but most of this is, I think, a wise judgment issue, you know, uh, that what we think is as wise and, and best for us. Because the Bible doesn't give us commands. It just doesn't tell us how we're going to design our building or even what kind of building that we're to have. Uh, but I think also indifference does play a role. You know, I, I really don't think it matters what color carpets are. I don't think it matters, you know, uh, something like, you know, what brand of faucets you have, or I think probably I would guess eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 of these choices are going to make very little differences. Yeah, I think that that's a good way of looking at it. I think part of it, the, the wider issues kind of falls into issues of wise judgment and how much money should we spend on this? Um, but then, yeah, the color of the carpet or the kind of chair. So like in this cabin room we made, uh, my boss, Mark, he's into outdoor stuff and he knew of these camping chairs. They're, they're different than like the ones that came out, I don't know, 20 years ago. They're, they're, they, uh, collapse into basically a cylinder almost. And then you, you just kind of I don't know what word to use, but you just kind of bring it apart and it fits into all these little joints. And then you've got this, you, you cover it with this little uh, canvas nylon kind of uh, bucket seat. And you've got like a two pound little chair there that it'll zip up into a bag that you could, you know, stick in a backpack. It's really small. And um, anyway, I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. And so the kids have really liked that. But I mean, that's, we could have just put like wooden chairs in there. I think that was one of those ultimately matters of indifference, but I, I think in broader strokes, it falls into matters of wise judgment on how we should use the Lord's resources. But yeah, I, I think the what you said about doctrine of salvation and uh, how we approach that, because there are churches, you know, whether it's the the cool building they have for children and youth or the 
the big you know squirrel terminator or uh i mean i, I heard of a church and again i'm not being critical of this church i sounds kind of cool but they have a big slide going from you know the second story down to the first story or, or something like that um i mean i think that's kind of cool kind of fun but certainly yeah. <laughs> not a necessity um you know we actually joke that our big children's room goes down into this big atrium lobby area so we could you know put a slide from there down and just like send the kids down you know the parents don't have to walk upstairs but um but yeah i think that it is a theological issue because you i mean you said it earlier about with the art on the walls and so many other things it just it reveals uh, communicates something and it is theological um one last question how much should it make a difference to us that we we know brothers and sisters even in our own country but particularly in other places um who have a, a lack of resources or who are suffering in various ways, um, how much should that factor into when we're like, well, we're going to spend X amount of dollars on renovating this space for children or for youth that gets used, you know, twice a week or this kind of thing. And we're going to spend, you know, we're thinking about spending some significant amount of, of cash on that or even going into debt for it. Um, how much do you think that should weigh in? I think we should oftentimes sacrifice those lofty things that we might want uh, and that might not even be wrong for us to want so that our brothers and sisters in Christ who are no worse than us just because they're in different situations can have some more basic things like security. You know, and I think this it's not just for that oftentimes in other cultures it's beyond what we even have think of uh so i know of a church in another country uh that needed the help of actually building a fence uh because things were being stolen from uh, the church actually food was being stolen at the church that they needed to help uh feed some of the members and some of the people in the area of the church uh, and so I think sometimes sacrifice uh, the really nice things that we want, the, the the Disney World type stuff that we might imagine, so that other brothers and sisters in Christ can have more in that capacity, can have some basics. Uh, but I think also don't become territorial or demanding because we are all working towards kingdom work. And realize, I think, with any area that we have that many do greater things for the Lord than we do with next to nothing. And so we don't need to feel entitled or like we need a specific space or a specific design. Yeah, those are good, good words on that. And I think one thing that factors in is the, the cultural context you're in. I mean, if people in your area are used to you know meeting inside an actual building and having it climate controlled i mean their churches you know they don't have air condition um they're used to that and uh, just th i guess modern conveniences i don't know that you need to that you're necessarily honoring god more by going you know what? we're gonna save on the power bill and we're gonna um we're just gonna start doing our children's thing or our youth thing out here under the oak tree i'm gonna go barefoot and not wear deodorant and you know, just be like really natural uh, so that we can use that money and send it to Haiti. Um, I mean, the Lord may be honored by that, but I don't know that he's necessarily more honored by that than if you just say, well, we're going to go ahead. People in our community are used to doing these kind of things inside a building with these certain level of uh, modern conveniences. And so we're just going to go with that. This is the context we're doing ministry in. Um, but at the same time, it can be taken 
too far. And I mean, that church that I was talking about with the multi-million dollar youth building, they are in Texas. I've never been except to the Houston airport, but I hear everything's bigger in Texas. So maybe that's just a function <laughs> of that. Um, but um, I mean, like, seriously, I am joking a little bit, but I mean, I think there's an element of that. Um, but I, again, I think it falls to a matter of wise judgment and what are our priorities and our motivations in these decisions that we make. Um, well, this was an interesting topic. It's something that I've thought about and mulled over, and I don't know that we shed any any extra light on it, but I don't think we it was contentious by any means, so there wasn't all this heat. But uh, it was interesting just to go over this and hear your thoughts, and I had not really – uh, considered the safety end of this in this particular conversation, uh, and so that was helpful a helpful reminder to to bring that to bear and just how big of an issue that is. Wonderful. So thank you. All right. Well, good discussion with you, brother. Yeah. Well, take care. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.